Hi, thank you for tuning into the Shorts Decks. My name is Isa Quintero and I'm the Young Adult Librarian. And I am Nick Barron. I am a patron and sometimes volunteer. This is a show where we talk to you about what we've been watching, listening to, or reading. And today we're going to be talking to you a bit about some LGBTQIA or uh, queer books that we read this week in honor of Pride Month. But first... Library news. So we're changing our hours starting on June 29th. As some of you probably know, we opened to the public on June 15th. And so now we're going to be open even more hours than we currently are. So starting Monday, uh, we are going to be open from 10.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We will have senior and at-risk hours from 9.30 a.m. until 10.30 a.m. on those days. But those are the only days that we have senior and at-risk hours. So if you are one of those folks, you'll make want to make sure that you come in on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday at 9.30 a.m. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we will be open from 11 to 7 p.m. And on Saturdays, we will be open from 10.30 until 3 p.m. We are still, for now, going to be continuing the curbside service. So if you are somebody who has autoimmune issues or who does not feel comfortable and safe coming into the library yet, you still can order materials for curbside pickup. You simply would place your hold on County Cat or give us a call at 414-847-2670 to place your holds. Uh, you no longer have to make appointments in order to pick up your holds for curbside, but you just have to do what we've been doing up to this point. So when you arrive, you give us a call at the number that's posted on the door and somebody will run the items out to you. From the stacks. So what did you read this week, Nick? So before I launch into which book book I read, uh, I wanted to say that uh, this has been a learning week for us. Lisa and I actually, uh, we, um, in our circles, we have a, a large number of uh, queer friends. But uh, to be honest, dis- despite having, uh, you know, a, a very diverse group of people that we surround ourselves with, I didn't know a lot about the history of queer struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I know a little bit, but, but I'd like to learn more. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I had read Junkie and Queer by William S. Burroughs in my in my mid twenties, and you know I've seen the Harvey Milk movie with mm. Sean Penn, but uh, and I listened to Gloss. I highly recommend a band called Gloss. But anyways, I I didn't feel like I knew the story, mm-hmm. um, and so so I ended up reading uh, Stonewall by Anne Bowsom um, with the sub subtitle Breaking Out in the uh, Fight for Gay Rights, and uh, it was. A really, a really interesting book. It is written for young adults. It's a hundred pages long. Um, Anne Bowsom, at least at the time of this writing, uh, lives in southern Wisconsin. Okay, a local person. Yes. So yeah, uh, they have written a large number of books for young adults on different uh, aspects of different civil rights movements. Okay. And one of the things that that had happened was they were doing a book signing and somebody came up and said to them, you really need to write a book on gay rights, the fight for, for gay civil rights. And they gave a really noncommittal answer to the person because they didn't really feel comfortable, you know, writing about something that they didn't feel was, you know, their their struggle or, or a thing that, that they knew much much about. They didn't feel like they were the right voice for it. But then in the uh, um, weeks that followed, there was a high profile uh, death of a college student that had come out and was bullied by their roommate and by other people at the college, and they ultimately ended up killing themselves. And so, and decided, yes, I'm going to tackle this subject. This book, uh, as I said, it's 100 pages and it's 10 chapters. And it starts off with uh, going into the uh, the level of, re- of repression that gay and lesbian and trans folks um, and cross-dressers all 
experienced mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s. And it, it kind of lays out, lays that out as an understanding for the, the powder keg that would become uh, the Stonewall Inn. So um, just to give you, the listener, some context, because you might not know this, in the 60s, um, there were laws that prevent, there's, um, to be gay was to be criminalized. Mm -hmm. uh, there were laws in places against kissing in public, against uh, same-sex people dancing together, against a whole, a whole variety of things, including a law that uh, in order to be able to clearly target and criminalize uh, queer folks, they had a law on the books, at least in New York, where you had to wear at least three articles of clothing that were to the gender that you were assigned at birth. And so this was a way that they could clearly identify somebody as being deviant in behavior and uh, as, as far as the, the social norms of the time, deviant in behavior and arrest them. They even had sting operations where they would go to bars um, and send people in and have them flirt and then uh, they would you know bring somebody back to a hotel and there would be police waiting in the hotel and they would just stockpile queer folks in the hotel until the room was full and then they would call it a night and take all of them to jail mm -hmm. um so there was this was just like a common thing and so queer folks were rightfully angry mm -hmm. and so uh, so what was the stonewall inn okay so the stonewall inn there were there were a number of gay bars or technically bottle services they used the term bottle service in order to get around um having a liquor license and so um because queer folks also were not allowed to drink alcohol because of some law and so they would do these bottle services so that they could have exclusive clientele. They would, like a speakeasy, they would open up a thing, look at the people, try and identify whether they seemed like they belonged, and they would let them in. And they would have, because it was a bottle service, they would have names on the bottles, like just generic Steve, Mike, whatever, <laughs> um, in order so that uh, um, so if a police officer came in, it would look like these bottles were assigned to specific people uh -huh. instead of being sold. Uh -huh. um, so anyways. And you said they were run by the mafia, right? They were they were run by the mafia. And the mafia made an incredible profit um, by exploiting this particular dynamic where these people had nowhere that they could meet in uh, public. And so... So they would, you know, run these bottle services, uh, which were bars, and they would, there would be dancing and uh, completely unsanitary conditions. And it was normal for the police to come in because they were on the take. They would be paid off by the uh, mafia. By the mafia. Uh, sorry, our, our dogs are being very noisy. Uh, so the mafia bar owners would pay off the police, and the police, in order to keep up appearances, would periodically come and raid the. Uh, these gay liquor establishments. And ultimately what end, ended up happening that uh, caused the the riot at the Stonewall was normally they would only hit one bar, a bar once every few months. And they hit the Stonewall twice in one week. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the police officer that hit it on Tuesday decided that uh, they were going to hit it again. Because mm -hmm. they wanted to shut it down, right? They wanted to shut it down. And so they, they, they came with a, a full sting operation and tools in order to break up the actual bar, actual physical bar and break it into pieces. They were shutting the place down. And so they came in and they it goes in through all the details. Like most of the middle of the book is the play-by-play -play of what took place. And so I won't get, get into all that. I encourage you to read it. Um, but it goes into the play-by-play -play of how they, they tried to... Uh, break up this bar and 
how they took all of the staff and the cross-dress cross-dressing clientele and they put them all in one room and they were releasing everybody out into everybody else out into the night and because it was their neighborhood and it was a beautiful summer night and people were upset because this has happened twice in a week hey so this was what june 28th yep june 28th 1969 okay and so like a little after midnight like one o'clock june 28th 1969 and so everybody's just converging outside and that group of people went from you know a handful of people to dozens to hundreds all standing outside the stone wall and wanting to know what's happening and then and then wanting their friends to safely come out mm-hmm. um but uh the police officer who orchestrated this sting operation didn't have all of their ducks in a row they they had this this plan that they thought was going to go perfectly and their support never showed up mm-hmm. and all the people that they expected to disperse all stayed and tensions rose it broke out into into a uh, a uh, a riot um where the police ultimately ended up locking themselves in the stonewall inn and then the protesters outside tore a parking meter out of the ground and battered down the door in order to get in um and everything really kind of hit the fan it mm-hmm. it exploded and ultimately very similar in arc to how our protests have gone just recently mm-hmm. um the protests after everything took place that night um everybody converged at the stone wall even though the stone wall was in ruin inside was not really serviceable mm-hmm. um people showed up again because they wanted to be at the scene of where everything happened mm-hmm. and most of the people didn't go in in fact it, the one of the the uh, people actually made a pamphlet to distribute that night that explained that people should not give money to the stonewall because it's a um, mafia and we sh- we should we should stop giving uh money to the police and we should stop giving money to uh to the mafia we need to to fight for our rights now mm-hmm. essentially and so all of the all of these people are standing outside and then the police show up to break it up again and so you know the the protests and the the fighting with the police all happens all over again but then over the next couple of days the protests be become peaceful the 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 police um eventually stop wearing riot gear and everything goes to a more timid pace and then on july 2nd so only a few days later um an article is post uh, published in the village voice and um one of the reporters that had been on the scene uh lucian uh truscott the fourth wrote a scathing and derogatory uh piece about uh what took place and the people of the neighborhood were like, this is our paper. This is our neighborhood. And, you know, even though the national media did not cover what had taken place there, they were extremely upset and the tensions exploded again. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, uh, what ended up, what ended up happening was, uh, one of the people that was there was somebody who used to go to, um, these things called annual reminders that started in 1965 and it was a meeting that took place at the independence hall in philadelphia and people would um dress up in uh, their sunday best in their you know g- gender assigned clothes mm-hmm. in order to peacefully protest around protest for gay civil rights around independence hall and this year uh on july 4th when they went to do this everybody was fired up from what happened at the Stonewall because mm-hmm. it was only days after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Philadelphia's not that far from New York City, so Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And so so um even though there were normally strict strict rules as to how they wanted the the annual reminders to take place with everybody walking in single file line, very solemn, quiet, 
um, respectful. Everybody felt very kind of fired up. And so they, they actually held hands and, you know, embraced, you know, the pride in being queer. Mm -hmm. And so was that basically the birth of, of the pride movement, you know, all the pride marches around the country? Yes. And so, so what, the first pride actually took place the next year. The, uh, there was a couple that was there, Craig Caldwell and Fred Sargent. They had been at the, 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 or Craig Caldwell had been at the, the Stonewall riots and then he had gone to the annual reminder that year. And so the next year, uh, he put together with his partner something called the Christopher Street Liberation Day on June 28th, 1970. And, uh, this was in all rights the first pride. Very cool. Yeah, like I didn't know a lot of that stuff. So this, like I said, I, I feel like I need to learn more about queer history because I, I know, you know, more about contemporary issues around stuff, but I don't really know about the history of it. So yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to, to reading that one now that you're done. Yeah, it was, it was very good. And, and I, I recommend it to everybody. So Lisa, what have you been reading? So this week I read a young adult graphic novel called A Quick and Easy Guide to Queer and Trans Identities by Maddie G. and J.R. Zuckerberg. It's a non-fiction graphic novel that covers a wide variety of topics. And like it says, it's an introduction to these identities. Uh, so among the topics that are covered are what is queer, what is gender identity, what is gender expression, what does gender dysphoria mean, uh, what is asexuality, what does it mean to come out. It also covers relationship basics and includes resources for for teens and, and folks looking to learn more about, you know, the queer spectrum. So it starts off with what is queer. And like I, like some of you may know, uh, queer is a word that was once used as an insult. And uh, it was used as an insult starting back into the times of like Oscar Wilde. And some people claim that he was the first person that it was used as an insult again. And folks have reclaimed the word to use it to cover a broad range of identities, the LGBTQ plus identities, because, you know, we're learning new things about about LGBTQ plus folks all the time. And rather than try to, to break it down or use that acronym that can get, you know, a little, little clunky sometimes, it's just easier to just say queer folks. Side note, when I recorded, recorded my piece, I stumbled through through the acronym a million times. And <laughs> Lisa, just, just say queer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that it covers in the What is Queer chapter is it covers the difference between sexual orientation and attraction and gender identity and talks about how those two things are not the same. Uh, some people, you know, get confused and think that, you know, your gender identity, if you're, if you're trans, it means that you're, that you're gay and that's not necessarily the case. And, and so it goes into a, a lot of these different things and, and how they break down. Uh, so for those who don't know, it goes into what is gender identity and it explains that gender identity is the social, cultural, and mental state of being male, female, a combination of the two or neither. And it has to do with how somebody feels inside rather than what they look like. And then it also talks about what sex is. And it says, so sex has to do with the reproduction as well as the physical and biological makeup that can reference things like chromosomes, genitalia, and hormonal activity rather than mental attributes. And so, you know, you, your gender is more how you feel, whereas your sex is, is, you know, your, your physical attributes that you're, that you have at birth. And that's another thing that it addressed. It addressed the, you know, assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth, uh, which is a, or terminology that a lot of trans folks use when talking about, you know, themselves or their issues, because, you know, like a, a trans man is a man, but he was assigned female at birth. So, you know, to, just, just to clarify things, it kind of talks about all those different terms. Um, it also talks about the difference between a cisgender person and a transgender person. So a cisgender person is somebody whose 
assigned sex and gender match. And then a transgender person is a person whose assigned sex and gender do not match. It goes into more detail on those things as well, if you're curious. And then it also talks about gender expression. So it talks about how, you know, you might, your gender might be one thing, but your gender expression might be different. So that, you know, gets into like folks who are cross-dressers, like not just because you're cross-dresser doesn't mean that you're trans. So, you know, you might like gender-wise be male, but, you know, you might dress with things that are considered more female clothing by societal standards. And and you could also be a cross-dresser and not be gay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, so it talks about a lot of those types of things. Um, it talks about what it means to be gender fluid, and it talks about different ways to express your gender identity via how you, you physically present yourself to the world. So your clothing, your hairstyle, you know, whether you wear makeup, uh, what kind of affect you might take and things like that. It also talks about gender dysphoria. And so for those who don't know, gender dysphoria refers to the mental anguish caused by inhabiting a body that doesn't align with your gender. And so um, it talks a little bit about what that looks like for folks and, and how it can have a terrible effect on, you know, people's mental health and how it's toxic to tell people that they are not the gender that they feel they are or, you know, the just, you know, a lot of, a lot of the misconceptions that people have and the way that we treat people, um, how it affects them and can lead to a lot of mental health issues because... And trauma. And trauma, because they, you know, are made to feel like they are erased mm-hmm. um, and like they can't be who they are. And so then it also goes into asexuality, which is something that it talks about has, you know, been... It's something that people have been looking into more and more in the last few years. Uh, A lot of people for a long time didn't think asexuality was a real thing. And then asexuality, once again, is on a spectrum. And so asexuality is a lack of sexual attraction to other folks. But there are different levels of asexuality. So there are people who are... So people who are demisexual, uh, who tend to require a deeper and more intimate relationship with the person in order to feel sexual attraction. There are people who are asexual who never feel sexual attraction towards other people. Um, There are people who are asexual who may have a high libido, but don't actually want to have sex with other people. Um, And some of that is, you know, due to, to their own personal preferences, because it's just how they are. And then some of it is due to trauma. Um, And so it talks about, you know, sexual repulsion versus uh, just general asexuality that's not attached to sexual repulsion and that not all asexuality is attached to sexual repulsion, because some people think that asexual people automatically are um, repulsed by sex, which is not the case. And it covers, you know, a wide variety of the the different terminology referring to asexual people, which is constantly evolving. And then it also covers coming out and what that means to different folks and, and how to come out on your own terms. And it talks about like the, the history of the word coming out. So originally coming out, you know, your coming out party was a thing that people used to do in high society where you were introduced to the the world of eligible bachelors or bachelorettes when you reached a certain age or to be married off. And so that was, you know, the original coming out. And then um, because queer identities were not accepted for a long time, a lot of people were what, you know, they called in the closet. And so it also refers to people that, you know, no longer having to hide who they are and coming out of the closet. And so coming out um, is different for everybody. It talks about how, you know, as an individual, you need to decide when is right for you. It talks about expectations and how your expectations might not always align with what actually happens and how to deal with, you know, what happens if they don't align with what your expectations were and places to find support 
uh, for when you come out. And then it goes on to uh, relationship basics, which is good because, you know, like I said, this is a book written for teens. So uh, a lot of teens, you know, may not have experience with romantic relationships. So it talks about respecting yourself and learning to love yourself first. Uh, and then it also talks about things like good communication and uh, different tips on, on how to be a good partner and what a good partner for you looks like. You know, somebody who shows an interest in your life and an interest in your friends and, and is somebody who cares about you. And, you know, things that, that once we become adults, we, we tend to know, but as a teen, you might not know and you might, you know, just especially if you're struggling with your identity and you're struggling with all these things, you know, you might take a person who is abusive towards you or who treats you poorly because you just want to be loved by somebody and, or, you know, or it also talks about unrequited love and how to deal with unrequited love because, you know, as a queer person, people who you're attracted to might not always be attracted to you and I mean that happens for you know straight people yes. too and it's like and you that know happens to all of us. yes exactly and unrequited love hurts and so it kind of but it talks you know about how to how to deal with that and so yeah it's it's a really cool cool guide for teens um, at the end it also has a little little tutorial on how to make your own zine if you want to make your own zine um, and talks about zines a little bit and talks about uh, making friendship jackets and has some cool little like craft activities at the end oh. um, and it also has like a uh, space for notes. So if you like bought a copy of this, you could write notes about things. But you know, this is a library copy, so please don't write <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, make a, make a photocopy of those pages. Yeah, make a photo. And um, the publishers that put this out also put out a a quick guide uh, to they them pronouns, which is also a great book that I, I read a few years ago or about a year ago. So yeah, if you're if you're curious about queer and trans identities and don't know all the terminology and, you know, see things like AFAB or AMAB or cisgender or, you know, whatever, and, you, and you're like, what do these words mean? Like, what, what are people talking about? Or you haven't quite wrapped your mind around, you know, the difference between gender identity and gender expression and all that stuff. Like, this is, this really breaks it down into very simple terms. Um, and it's, more easy to understand and, and it's just generally accessible. Yeah, I, I just want to point out how fantastic that we live in a world now where that exists. Because one of the things that comes up in the Stonewall book uh, is they make reference multiple times to the fact that queer folks in the 60s, it was considered a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was only like the, the, the earliest victories in the... Um, fight for gay rights were actually in getting the medical establishment to recognize mm -hmm. um, queer folks as not being mentally ill. Yeah, well, it's like today some folks think, you know, that trans folks are mentally ill. And again, that's not the case. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's important to learn more about trans identities and, and folks that are different to realize like, hey, this is this is a legitimate way of being a person. Like it's not, you know, we can't police each other's expression and feelings and, and how each other's brains work. Like, yeah. And, and also just, just understanding that, that so many things in our lives exist on a spectrum and don't fall into a strict binary. Yeah. And so many things in our lives too, we, we don't understand, you know, humans are very complex and, Sometimes we think we know everything, but we're we're still learning so much about ourselves and uh, as a species, you know. Yeah. So, absolutely. Um, 
So I, I learned a lot. Did you learn a lot? I did learn a lot. It was a good learning week. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading Stonewall and um, looking into some more of the history stuff that we have at the library. But yeah, I, uh, I put together a short list of some fiction books that people might be interested in reading if you are interested in queer topics. And so most of these are young adults. There is one adult book and I will go ahead here with my list. The first book on the list is Bloom by Kevin Panetta. It's a graphic novel. It is about Ari, who is a musician ready to move to the big city and start with his band. They've been talking about moving to the big city with the band forever, uh, but his parents own a bakery and the bakery is struggling. And so his dad doesn't want him to move to the big city because he needs help at the bakery. And Ari is so upset about this until uh, his dad hires an assistant at the bakery named Hector. And Hector loves baking, and Hector loves baking almost as much as Ari hates baking and wants to get away. But ultimately, Hector and Ari fall in love, and, you know, Ari kind of learns to look at life through a different lens because of Hector. Uh, because Hector's life experiences are very different than Ari's life experiences, and, and Ari has this very loving and supportive family, and Hector does not, and so um, it kind of addresses a lot of those, those issues with gay folks. The second book on my list is Pumpkinheads by Rainbow Roll. It's another graphic novel, and it is about a pair of best friends who have a seasonal job that they're working at throughout high school at a pumpkin farm, and the pumpkin farm has different stands for like cotton candy and pie and uh, all these different things that they, they work at. And so uh, these two friends have been hanging out together since the first summer. And the one friend has a crush on one of the employees at the, uh, I think she works at like the pie stand. And so his friend is trying to get him to hook up with the girl that works at the pie stand before the summer's over because he's had a crush on her for like the last four years. And she's just like, I'm going to help you get this girl because, you know, this person is very shy and, 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 and um, struggles a lot with, you know, talking to, to other folks that they're interested in. And their friend that's trying to set them up with the girl who works at the, at the pie shack um, is uh, queer. She, she likes girls and has dated girls traditionally throughout the time that they've known each other. But, you know, as the story progresses, it's kind of a comedy of errors. They, the girl that, that works at the pie stand ends up getting moved to a different pie, or a different stand because it's a very busy day. And so, um, along the way, you kind of see that the, the girl who is trying to help him get with the other girl has a crush on him. And so, you know, yes. I'll let you read it to see how it plays out. <laughs> um, uh, the other one that I have, my third one on my list is The Prince's Dressmaker by Jen Wing. And that one is about Sebastian. Prince Sebastian is a prince in, France and his parents really want to marry him off, but he is more concerned with his secret. And his secret is that he likes to dress in women's dresses. Mm -hmm. And there is a dressmaker that gets hired at the palace to make dresses for him and keep his secret. And so by day he's Prince Sebastian and by night he's Lady Cristalia, um, all dressed up in, you know, elegant ball gowns and uh, deals a lot with like cross-dressing and, and gender expression um, you know, it, it was, it was a cute story. Um, and it, uh, it covered a lot of, a lot of issues that folks, you know, who, whose gender expression is different than what society expects face. Yeah. My fourth book on my list is Tosh Hart's Tolstoy by Catherine Ormsby, uh, which is a young adult chapter book. Uh, it is about Tosh, who is a vlogger who is thrust into the limelight. Uh, she makes a 
blog or a vlog. It's a like a TV show with her friends where they are doing an adaptation of Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. And Tash is uh, asexual and she gets invited to this big vlogger convention in Florida and uh, along the way ends up, you know, upsetting her friends because she her head gets kind of a little big for because, you know, she's been nominated to be this, to get these awards or whatever at this conference. And so she, you know, she acts like she doesn't need the people who are the actors in her show. And, and, um, and at the same time, she's struggling with, with some of her feelings for, for, you know, some people and, and because she's asexual, not understanding, you know, why she has these feelings, but they're not the way that they're portrayed in movies and the way that they're portrayed in, in books and, and, you know, and kind of feeling that there's something broken about her, but, you know, realizing that there's, that there's not. Um, so that one was, I think that's the first book I've ever read with like a, a character that was asexual. The fifth book on my list is My Favorite Thing is Monsters, Volume 1 by Emile Ferris. That's actually an adult graphic novel that I found out about from NPR uh, about a year or two ago. Uh, it is a mystery that takes place in 1960s Chicago about a young girl named Karen Reyes who is obsessed with B-movies, uh, horror in particular. And uh, she walks around the world and her representation of herself is she looks like a little werewolf. Um, but when we see her in a mirror, she actually looks like a human girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she draws a lot and is, is really into art. And she hears the murder of her neighbor, Anka Silverberg, and ends up going on this whole journey to try and find out who murdered Anka and why. And the book, if you are into art history, covers a lot of art history topics. It covers a lot of, of Chicago architecture. Um, it covers a lot of 1960s B-horror films. Um, and then at the same time, it covers Karen's exploration of her sexuality as, um, you know, a child in the 1960s who finds herself attracted to other girls and not attracted to boys. Yeah, and you read that as as part of a uh, short-lived uh, book club, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember being present for the meeting, and everybody seemed to really enjoy what they experienced. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And there's supposed to be a second volume and the publication keeps getting pushed back and I keep being so sad because I want to know, I want to know who murdered Anka Silverberg <laughs> and I know I want to know what happens to Karen. And I think it's really interesting how in the book she, uh, like I said, she, she, she sees herself as this little monster, but you know, um, and how she sees herself as being different than everybody else and strange. And, and so it, it was, it was really good. Um, and then the very last book on my list is If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo, last but not least. If I Was Your Girl is about Amanda Hardy, who's the new girl at school, and like anyone who has ever been new at school just wants to fit in and wants to make friends, but she is worried about getting hurt, so she tries to keep everybody at a distance until she meets a boy named Grant, and he's very sweet and easygoing, and she feels like she wants Grant to know everything about her, except that she has a big secret, which is that at her last school, she was Andrew. And so she's worried that if she tells Grant that she was Andrew and that she's trans, that she will lose him and lose everything. That was a very good book as well. So those are my recommendations. That one's a young young adult book as well. As always, thank you for tuning into the Short Stacks. We hope you have enjoyed the show. You can find us on Podbeans, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have any questions for our hosts, email us at shortwordstacks at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and be well.
The Shore What Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shore Public Library. Music on this episode is by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Ice Flow and can be found at incompetech.com.